Hello, Malcolm here, and welcome to a three-part series for leaders called Get Ready to Cross from Joshua Chapter 1. These are three classes provided for leaders of all types in the Thames Valley Churches of Christ to hopefully support us through an unprecedented time of transition and change and and unexpected circumstances that we're finding as we come out of lockdown at the end of 2021. I hope you enjoy today's class. Great. So what we're going to do is um, we're going to have a look at the the minute, uh, a a little bit about resilience and research, and then we are going to break up into breakout rooms uh, for two short tasks you know and that then you'll have some materials with which to sort of reflect on the last part of the class um, some of which you can take away and I hope some of which will be useful maybe if you wanted to do something like this with any of your groups or uh, for a family group or in a, in a workshop or however you want to play it really so it's interesting um, even with the title uh, it gets straight in there, right? Spiritual, I don't know whether it's spiritual at the beginning, spiritual resilience in leadership or whether to call it resilience in spiritual leadership. It's kind of like, where do you put the, the spiritual in that in that sentence? Um, and, an, and another thing I find really interesting, and we'll come to this later, is this notion of getting ready to cross. Um, because really, um, that's the beginning and the end of the book of Joshua. And uh, when we look later at the book of Joshua, uh, through our resilience lens it's very interesting to sort of see what leaps out and where but we'll come to that later so let me get started so resilience um where are we okay everyone's got an idea of um of what resilience means right and our and uh, we're also influenced by other people's ideas so it's worth unpicking exactly what it means so we're going to come up with a definition or we're going to have a think about a definition of what resilience actually is and we're going to start by looking at where the word comes from so what do these three things have in common probably completely clueless as to what they even are (laughs) what we have on the on the left are some halters, they're, uh, they're long jump aids, ancient Greek long jump aids. What we have in the middle is, that's actually a day four, but day three, day four old chicken embryo. And on the right, we have a two winged fly, a daddy long legs. Completely vague, okay? So let me explain. Um, so, the word resilience really first comes from a Greek word, um, halasthai, okay, which means to leap. But that word first appears in Aristotle's writing. And Aristotle uh, wrote a book, a, a biology book. It's amazing. And, and it was used for hundreds of years. And what he did in it, one of the things he did was he was looking at chicken embryos. And he broke open the chicken eggs on day one, day two, day three, day four, day five, day six. And it was on the third day when he looked at the chicken embryo, when he saw a little red dot leaping up and down. And that was when the heart became active on the third day. And that's where we get the term from um, the salient point. That's where that term comes from, or the heart of the matter. Both of those terms originate from Aristotle's looking at at chicken eggs. And this word halisthai, which means to leap, to leap up and down, okay, or to re-leap as it were, if you put the re before it. So that's the origin, in a sense, of the word for 
re resilience or, or salience, as it were. Um, actually, the word goes back even further into Sanskrit, a word called sisarasi, uh, which means to flow or to run. But this idea of a sense of determined travel, a bit like a river or a lava flow or something, just moving in a direction. OK, so the second one were these halters. So halters is another word that comes from that um, halestai, but it came through the Latin language. And it's used to talk about these weights, which were used for gym weights and things. But really, they were used in uh, long jump. And it, you can see in that picture from the vase is they would swing these weights. OK, and then they would take off. And then in midair, just when they're about to land or just before, they could skillfully pull against the weights and drop them and get a little extra boost. Yeah. Or even just readjust, sort of like just get that little extra bit of a push. That word holtes, again, is sort of kind of through the Latin, comes from this word, um, halasai, which is our origin of the word resilience. OK, so. The, that, that word evolved then, and Holtaire's actually now in science and for several hundred years has been used to describe these little things on the uh, on a two-winged fly. I think they may have once been, been wings, but they look like drumsticks. They're arrowed there, and they're called Holtaire's. And what they are is that when a two-winged fly flies its wings, those two little things are weights that go in the opposite direction to the wings, okay? And um, what they do is when the fly gets knocked off course, um, these little gyroscopic weights help it to get back its balance again and so that it can get back on course. And so they keep a fly on course. All right. And they're used basically for balance in flying, which I think is a great, great definition of resilience. All right. We'll come to that in a second. It wasn't until later that really in physics, this idea of resilience came through, this idea of bouncing back of shapes that have their elastic limit. And um, what they would do is they'd hit metals and they would bend, but then spring back, you know, and that was a physical or a physics description in one sense of this idea of resilience. It wasn't until the late 1800s or sort of 1900s when the word started to be used in psychology. And this idea of bouncing back from difficult experiences or ability to cope with stress or our ability to recover uh, from or adjust easily to, 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 to change or misfortune. Um, this idea of adapting um, from trauma or, or stress in our lives. OK, so this idea of moving forward despite adversity. But interestingly, no one in all of psychology, sociology, anywhere can agree on an exact definition of what resilience is. I mean, there is no, you can look, but you won't find the one definition. They all vary slightly. Um, originally, um, they thought in, in, in people that resilience was a trait. And so they thought that some people were just more resilient than other people. But they quite quickly realized that it, it wasn't something that was just inherent in a person it can't be because that kind of like that that labels people doesn't it and that says you're you're fixed you're this or you're that and it's like it's sort of some kind of genetic labeling um which can lead to all kinds of um you know negative situations so it's not a trait but then now we have this idea that it's more of a process, OK, that it's something that you do. It's a process that you go through. So we have resilient processes in our life and we can apply them to any context. OK, so, for example, 
I went shopping this morning. You know, did I do it in a, you know, all the things that could have gone wrong. There was a, a lady at the till in front of me and uh, she was questioning the receipt. And don't you just hate it when that happens, right? So the whole, I'm trying to get back for this meeting and the whole supermarket grinds to a halt. Am I going to shop resiliently? So I moved to another queue and got through and amen. So that's a context of resilience where I was able to apply my solution thinking and, and moving around. Okay. So it's like a system. We can apply resilience to any context within our lives. It's a bit like navigation, this idea of navigating, navigating adversity. Okay. But the most modern definitions talk about this idea of systems, that it's a really complex uh, process of multiple systems. So for example, you guys are being resilient in your spiritual leadership, but you're also, you've got your families, which is another system. You've got your work life, which is another system. You've got, you know, your, your extended family, all these different systems that we're involved in that demand us to be resilient. And that resilience in one system can affect how you resilient you are in another system. So it's very complicated in a sense of how individual resilience works. It's a complex interaction of multiple sort of processes. And that, I love this picture of an airplane cockpit because you think, you know, you get in that and there are all these different instruments that help you to fly from A to B, you know, and stay parallel and keep the horizon and fuel levels and all these different kind of processes going on at the same time. But anything could happen to knock you off track at any one point, you know, a storm or, or whatever. And you'd have to know kind of how to read all the instruments in order to have a successful flight, all right, to where you're going. So for resilience to be happening, people agree on this, right? For resilience to be happening, there has to be some form of, of adversity, okay? And then secondly, there has to be evidence of positive adaptation, you know? So you've got these two elements of resilience. One is adversity and the other is adaptation, how we adapt. And I say positive adaptation because we can adapt to adversity in a maladaptive way or in a way that is not really um, properly adapting, okay? Um, not, not a healthy adaptation. And so we can have unhealthy ways of coping with adversity in our lives. Um, and that's a whole big topic in and of itself, all right? But so what I'm going to ask you to do, what I'm going to ask you to do um, is, I've got two things I'd like you to do. I'll pop you into groups in a second, probably halfway through this task, but I'd like you on one piece of paper or a page in front of you to write down nine things that help you to be spiritually resilient, you personally, okay? So nine things. They can be things you think, things you do, things you need, things you hold on to. Um, it can be to do with things... Uh, that you get from others or different situations, whatever. But write down nine things in the list, okay? I'll give you. So we have um, we had a couple. It was we didn't have the time necessarily to we, rank we, them. We merged our different lists as one into one as a group. So so we have things like you know right at the top, remind ourselves who God is in those times of trauma or adversity um and then we have confessing sin um learning about god's character deep fellowship spiritual friends journaling 
rest and renewal, which includes sleeping well, having fun, good health, eating well, family, meditating, and having consistent times with God and journaling. Great, 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 great. I mean, if you if you can, it's good to rank them because then it kind of like shows where you're at now and what's kind of important. But anybody else want to share? That's our homework then. Yeah, I don't mind sharing. Um, I sort of be, I sort of began to rank them, but I felt that they were pretty much in order, and there were some that were equitable, you know. And I, I felt like, yeah. Anyway, I'll just read them. So, fellowship is the first thing. Um, the prayer of others, um, books, particularly biographies, um, films, um, praying through scripture, sleep beauty, stories of hope, and then church, um, as in, you know, um, you know, having a good sermon to ground you or taking communion. So um, slightly separate from the fellowship. Um, okay. Point. Yeah. Brilliant. Thank you. And one more. Anyone else want to share? No, I'm going to keep your lists. I can share, but I, I did share in the group, so I was holding back. That's okay. Go on, go on. Okay. For my sake. I had um, knowing that God's in control, prayer, God's word, being thankful, singing, perspective, self-compassion, to be compassionate to others, sharing, and healthy lifestyle. Fabulous. So there's a lot of crossover, mm. but I think obviously different things are key to different people or diff sometimes different, the priorities are slightly different, which is that that's part of the ranking exercise. What I'm gonna get you to do now is a similar thing, but I decided that I was gonna get you to do the positives first. And now what we're gonna do is the negatives. So the things, the top nine things, and we're gonna rank them again, of the top nine things that stop you being spiritually resilient or block you from being spiritually resilient, okay? So you need to write a separate list um i've reorganized the rooms just so that i'll put you straight into them and i'll give you a little bit longer um you can talk about them but you don't have to agree do you know what i mean it might like you might change or you might adopt somebody else's idea or whatever but it's not about reaching agreement it's about just you thinking about for you what are the things the top the nine things and and then trying to rank them okay and and that'll become clear in a minute so let me put you in rooms and i'll give you um 10 minutes to do that go on just just a question we didn't discuss it in our group, but it's something that came up. Where does mental health go into this? Because that's a big thing. Uh, we're learning more and more about mental health. Some of us have people in our families, our children that struggle. With well, I think, I think, and they definitely have a different, they need to be dealt with and helped on a different level. Yeah. And it depends on what you mean by mental health, you know? Um, so that's, in and of itself would need exploring because there are many, many different definitions of exactly what mental health means. And you've got a whole gamut of different things from being frustrated and losing your temper. I mean, that's a mental health issue on a very small level to kind of like, you know, post-traumatic stress disorder or depression at the other end of the scale, mm. you know? So, so there's a, there's a, there's a big gamut in that. And again, um, what helps me with this exercise is the focus is is resilience you know it's specifically resilience so what 
helps you be resilient and what stops you being resilient. And so we're not like the, the gauge is not mental health and the gauge is not a tra trauma trauma scale. It's specifically resilient because resilience is a process. And even if you've been traumatized, you can be resilient. And even if you've got mental health issues, you can be resilient. You know, it's just that you're doing it on a different level. I was chatting to a chap yesterday who I know really struggles with with uh, substance abuse. And uh, he used to be part of the New York church years and years and years ago. So for him, being resilient is not not drinking, you know, but he's still being resilient and we're still having that conversation. So within that, we're talking about repentance and openness and all these other elements of of what helps us to be resilient. OK, so if you try and focus on the idea of resilience as a process and not like a, a trait, a character trait, it's just something that we do. OK, so you've got two lists, one of. And I was being specifically vague. I said being spiritually resilient, but you could apply that to any context. OK, but obviously you're, what you feel is spiritual guided what you wrote on the pieces of paper or what you feel being spiritually resilient is. OK, so and by ranking them, it will it will help the next bit in a minute, which I'll explain to you in a second. But your negatives, in a sense are like the instruments on the aeroplane panel, aren't they? They're, they're, when one of those is beeping, you know that there's something wrong that you need to adjust, you know, and your positives are like your toolkit for adjustment. And it's interesting when you rank them all to compare the two lists, especially when we categorise them, which is what I'm going to do now in a little bit. So this is my scripture for the year, one of my scriptures for the year. And... Um, I just love this idea that God is going to prove to the nations his holiness, you know, through us, you know, before their eyes. I love that idea. Um, and it made me think about, you know, how can God show the nations his holiness through our resilience? OK, or through our spiritual resilience. And let me rephrase that. How can God show the nations his holiness through the way we address adjust to adversity? Yeah through the way we adjust to adversity in our lives. So for me, it's worth just reflecting on this notion of our goal and our purpose on the Christian journey, because if you're not on the journey, if you haven't taken off, then you, then you can't be resilient because it's, it's, you're not doing anything to be resilient. There's no, you know what I mean? Like, unless adversity is getting started, but the first part obviously is working out our salvation. Um, you know, that's the main part. But this notion as well of, of, as I said before, of crossing over is actually getting home, hitting the target, you know, making it all the way. Those, those who, you know, remain faithful to the end, as it were. And then underneath that, you know, you've got things like bringing the good news to as many as possible, uh, building up the church in love. And um, yeah, those really, for me, are the sort of broad brushstroke goals of the christian journey you may add others or you may have subsets of those that's fine but it's worth maybe talking about the journey because like this idea of resilience is is what happens to us on the journey and so it's quite useful to, to have that context so i'm going to look at uh beyond in a sense joshua because you know at the beginning of joshua we're talking about be strong and courageous but he hadn't done anything yet you know, he hadn't crossed over. He'd only just sort of been appointed. So it was only the beginning, in a sense, of that particular journey. Um, I did some research. I've just sort of finished a big piece of research about resilience. And I'll send you these slides at the end. 
And one of the things that came out was I talked to a, a lot of people about resilience is that when you break it down, there are really four key areas of resilience. Okay, and it's the balance between these areas that really make up the construct of what resilience is. All right. So the first one is, is a resilient mindset, which tends to be sort of more in line with what we think about resilience. Okay, so it's what you believe that underpins what you do. So things like determination, perseverance from a Christian perspective, faith or self-belief, positive attitude, you know, optimism, motivation. Those are all kind of core concepts that we believe that underpin our resilience. I'll send you these slides, don't worry. I'll, put, I'll post the PowerPoint on the, on the WhatsApp group <coughs> afterwards, yeah? The second big area are resilience habits, okay? Habits. They're things that are, um, that are embedded in our life that keep us on track, you know? And you talked about some of these, sleep, food, uh, journaling, blah, blah, blah. The, some of these came out. They're the routines that we have. The things that we know in our life and trust that work, so we do them and we get into practice and doing those things. So like routines are one, the idea of overcoming distractions. So we develop techniques for overcoming distractions, don't we? Because we become disciplined or self-disciplined, but also our approach to problems, challenge or learning or trying different solutions. So for some people, you know, taking a risk is really difficult you know but for some people when we get into the habit of it or when we believe in it as a process we're more willing to try and look for different solutions or more we're, we're more willing to adapt um you know that could be linked to courage but it's something that we can practice yeah so their habits strategies these are like more to do i suppose with with, with potentially with trauma but it's what we do when things go wrong or when things don't make sense, or when we don't understand why things have happened to us or to other people. So it's it becomes our coping styles, all right? So what do we do when things go wrong? Do we seek support? Do we take time out? Do we, are we mindful, you know? And that's, we could explore what that means. Um, do we choose to focus on positives? Do we seek to understand? Um, and in some ways, we can be maladaptive, right? We go back to the old ways, um, the ways of our fathers or traditions or things that we, you know, that, that we've been taught that might not necessarily be the, the best way to adapt. Fight or flight, you know, could come into that. Or the inner voice, in a sense, the stories we tell ourselves, sometimes the untruths we tell ourselves in trying to make sense of, um, of, of, of things that happen in our lives, things that knock us off course. The final group is an interesting one. I was surprised when this came so clearly from the research is this notion of your spiritual resilience network, okay, or your resilience network. And really, that's the, the people that help you buy, you know, and you can fill in the word, right? They encourage you, they advise you, they support you, they listen to you through loving you, through challenging you, motivating you, guiding you, protecting you. Um, serving you could be in that list or, or or someone that you trust and so it's a lot about connection and this notion of connection and that really stands separately each each of these four groups stands separately if we had time because you would have ranked your lists obedient <clears throat> people if you'd ranked them and given them a score what you could then do is look at these four categories and, and work out by adding up the scores of the, of the connection ones, it, is resilience network, is that your main strategy or is it your main blocker? 
Do you know what I mean? Or is it habits or is it mindset or strategies? And you can add up your scores and, and, and work that out. You know, it takes a bit of time, but it's interesting to see, you know, when you look at those four areas of which are your strengths, as it were, and which are your, are your weaknesses, okay? But I think this is a really interesting way to look at the book. I'm going to look at the book of Joshua very quickly. This took me an hour in the week through the lens of spiritual resilience, looking at these four areas. So I had a snapshot. I thought, let me look through the whole of Joshua and you could do that and you might find different stuff and just have a little thing. So this is a summary. Okay. So this is sort of like mindset um, verses that I thought leapt out at me. So Joshua one, six and nine, this idea of be strong and courageous. God's call to Joshua, the people's call to Joshua, but also um, the big caveat to that is do not be frightened and dismayed. You know, it's really interesting when you look at what those words mean. Do not discombobulate, be shattered. OK, um, and again, in in uh, chapter eight, he repeats that. And again, in chapter 10, do not fear. Um, he says in the in chapter and, and then there's a big sort of gap. And then there's loads in 23 and 24. Actually, I think if you want to learn about resilience in Joshua, look at chapter 23 and 24. But he talks about when he's telling the people at the end of his life, he says, you've got to remember God's promises. You have to be faithful, you know, be strong and to keep and do all that is written. In, in uh, 9 and 10, he says, remember, the Lord fights for you just as he has promised. No one can stand before you, that confidence and security. Um, in verse 14, he says, uh, no in your hearts and souls, all of you, that not one word has failed of all the good things that the Lord your God has promised concerning you. You know, that's a really great thing to reflect on, right? Um, fear the Lord in verse 24. We have to fear God more than we fear man, right? Uh, in, in verse 15, as for me and my family, we will serve the Lord, you know, and that kind of like fixed mind that he had there. Um, covenant mindset, remember our promises to God and his to us. He talks about that in verse 25. And um, in, in verse 28, you know, our inheritance is our responsibility. You know, I, I call it a Caleb mindset, and I'll come to that in a second. So those for me were all the mindset ones that I found. OK, um, just quickly, um, I can't help myself. I love the Hebrew. Be strong. You know, that's the word for be strong. It means, you know, to fasten upon, to seize. Oh, yeah. All right. And I love in the New Testament that 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 word uh, lambano, which is the Greek version of the word. You know, have a look yourselves in Acts 1047. But this idea of take hold of and don't let go. You know, we take hold of our salvation and we don't let go of it. It's such a fab word. Um, and courage, you know, uh, again, to be alert, um, you know, on foot steadfastly minded um you know the, the what the word of good courage really means all right but then also i i, I the words where it says do not fear and uh, uh, you know the word um where are we um i oh, will come to that in a second yeah I'll, yeah I'll send you the powerpoint i got overexcited looking at all this words frightened which means um to be shaken terribly right i mean we talk about trauma OK, but like the word frightened, terrified, dread, oppressed, shaken terribly. And the word dismayed, actually, the root of the word dismayed is to be shattered or abolished. Um, you know, it's and, and 
when you think about it, the root of trauma is in those words, isn't it? And, and there was one really obvious example um, in, in the book of Joshua where, where he talked about that in verse seven, uh, in chapter seven. But the strategies, OK, these are strategies um, that Joshua got traumatized in chapter seven because of Akin's sin, because they went to attack A. He was sure they were going to win and they didn't. You know, and he suddenly stopped trusting God's promises. It said, you know, like they, they went to water, they went turned to jelly, you know, and Joshua was was a broken man briefly. And it's really interesting that um of, of what happened there. And if you look in verse 10 and 15, it's God straight away explains to Joshua exactly what happened. He says, No, 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 I haven't forgotten you. This happened because exactly because of this, and they solved the problem, yeah. Um in Joshua 23, he says, be very careful, therefore, to love the Lord your God, you know, as a, as a strategy for trauma. Put away your father's gods and serve the Lord. Choose whom you're going to serve. Uh, and in verse 23, again, it's also about putting away the foreign gods that are among you. I mean, in Joshua's speech at the end, in verse 20, in chapter 24, he knew that there were foreign gods among the people, you know. He knew they, they were there and he said, put them away. You didn't, you know, incline your heart towards God. I love that. Um, so habits, just quickly. Um, these are the ones that I found. Joshua 8 said he didn't draw his hand back with the javelin. Um, in uh, Joshua 8, a, a, a reenactment of Moses's blessing. And then again, in, in 23 and 24, uh, be strong do all that's written don't turn aside don't mix with the nations don't swear by don't bow down to these are all habits right cling to hold on to the lord your god just even the state serve him in sincerity and faith um again put away the gods of your fathers that's that's a strategy but it should become a habit in our life right you know if we practice it we should recognize when when the, the the old ways are creeping into our life and be able to put them out, right? It's because it's a, it's a strategy that becomes a habit. Um, Joshua put into place rules and statutes for them to help them, you know, and don't deal falsely with God. Um, so, you know, you can think about the kind of habits we talk, we you know, we always talk about prayer, Bible study, confession, consecrating ourselves, recommitting ourselves, refocusing ourselves, refreshing ourselves, one another relationships. Those are all really good habits, but also, I think as fun was saying that notion of worship and service and purity obedience the sort of sacraments that allow god and his holy spirit to sort of use us and to move us and finally and this is a big one all the networks you know um in in when they talk about uh be strong and courage the the, the, the people promise that they'll obey him you know in all things um when akin sin happens Joshua was really upset, but all the elders are with him. He's with all the elders. They all put ash on their heads. They're all together. Do you know what I mean? They don't know what the solution is, but they're together. Um, and Joshua 14, I, I really love um, where Caleb jumps in because obviously Josh and Caleb had a, a relationship. And uh, when Joshua was getting old, he talks about like, you know, we haven't driven out all the people, but I'm going to give you those bits of land anyway. And you you have to go in and finish the job yourselves a bit like today with the church right and Caleb stands up and says give me my give me my allotment I'm going to go and do it now you know and straight away he jumps you know and I love that how he gets right behind Joshua and stands up for that example and just a just a great sort of example of their relationship um 
As for me and my house, okay, family being really important, part of his network, we will serve the Lord. We, the word we, we are witnesses. We will serve the Lord. We will obey. Um, and this notion of the witness stone, again, at the end of Joshua 24, which I think is, uh, is, Christ, is Christ, you know, I think in typology, that's really like Christ, uh, that it'd be a witness against us, lest you deal falsely with God. Okay, so there's a lot of stuff in there, sort of network bits and pieces. Um, you can go back and look at these, a couple of the, 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 the definitions for some of those key words, all right? But takeaways, because um, we're running out of time, it's already 11 o'clock and Rudy's got to go. Um, so resilience is a process and it's contextual, all right? So at any point, you could you could pick a situation you're going through and apply the positives and negatives and have a think about that, yeah? Our spiritual resilience can be described by looking at the things that help us or stop us from being resilient, okay? Again, in context. The four areas are all really important. They're all worth developing. What are your biases? Are there any biases where you lean maybe towards one more than the other of those four areas? Okay. Our spiritual resilience network, our church, is fundamental and really worth devoting some time to meditate on and discussing in your groups. You know, this notion, we've called it discipling and we've given it a bad rep and maybe been a bit shallow with it. But the real truth is we all need a spiritual resilience network. You know, it's fundamental to our resilience as Christians to making it to the end. Fundamental. Our resilience strategies can form the basis of some really deep healing conversations. OK, but we all need to let go of the gods of our fathers. Um, you know, like I think a lot of people come into the church from different traditions, different backgrounds, different experiences. Ultimately, the goal is that we can let go of that and hold on to God. Right. Um you know, if there are issues that we're not comfortable with or things that come up through a discussion like this, then we need to seek support either from people that we know and trust or maybe even with trauma professionally, you know, and getting some support professionally. There's nothing wrong with that. In fact, it can be really, really helpful. But if some people are really struggling in their lives from trauma, we shouldn't shy away from getting the support that they get the support that they need. Um Remember the core purpose and promise of our faith. That's our direction and our destination, which is ultimately the focus of our spiritual resilience. Um, and I would say always take your time and go deeper in your Bible study. For me, that's such a key, just really deeply understanding what the Bible is saying in Greek, in Hebrew, and, and really picking out some of those words. It constantly blows my mind reading really good translations and realizing that they're not as accurate as they could be um so that's a very quick whiz through the idea of resilience super super quick any quick questions what i'll do is i'll post the slides and if you want to have another chat with me about it another time let's let's have a conversation about that i hope that was helpful in some way but at least it's a tool that you can use to really start that discussion yeah well, that concludes today's class. I hope you found it helpful. Do send me any thoughts you have, any questions, any suggestions for the next classes, or even for how we can support leaders in 2022. So email me, malcolm at malcolmcox.org. Thanks very much. Until the next time, take care. God